2 Corinthians chapter 12. There's a principle that's taught in this chapter that has helped me throughout my life since I was made aware of this principle. And I trust that it has helped you and will continue to the rest of your life as well. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. The Apostle Paul is the one that presents this uh, experience right here. And he starts out and he said, I've had a real close communion with the Lord. And he said, in fact, it was very, very special. And he highlights his uh, situation, his communion with the Lord. He says, and it will start with verse one. He says, it is not expedient for me, doubtless to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. And he says, and he says this almost from a third person perspective, but he's actually talking about when he starts this chapter, he's actually talking about his experience with the Lord. And he says, I I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago, and he's writing this to the Corinthian brethren right here. Now, he starts out and he mentions the visions and the revelations that he's had of the Lord. And the Apostle Paul was blessed in a unique and a remarkable way. In fact, one of his first experiences with the Lord was on the road to Damascus where the Lord shined a great light about him and changed his course. Some folks would debate and say, well, was Paul converted or was he regenerated? The bottom line is Paul's life was different, vastly different after the experience on the road to Damascus. And he answers this experience right here. And it's, it's good for us to consider how he answers this experience. He says, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body or uh, I cannot tell, or whether out of the body, I cannot tell. Some folks say, well, this was an out of the body experience. Paul says, I don't know if I was in the body. I don't know whether I was out of the body, but I had an experience and I saw some things. I saw some wonders. I saw some marvels. I saw some things in glory and some things in heaven. And he says, I really don't know whether I was in the body or whether I was out of the body. Now, the Lord doesn't deal with all of us the same way that he dealt with the apostle Paul. Uh, The Lord deals with each one of us individually. I remember a sister telling me that was in her 90s one time that she was still waiting for an experience like the Apostle Paul experienced on the road to Damascus before she decided to follow in gospel baptism. The result of Paul's experience was that Paul did follow in gospel baptism, but the fact is that the Lord doesn't speak to all of his people the same way. Sometimes the Lord speaks to us in a mighty way. Brother Larry Davis would uh, tell you that he could take you to the very step uh, as we go down to the basement that he was standing on when the Lord began to deal with him. And he said it was a mighty way. But then for other folks, the Lord deals with each one individually and differently and at his appointed time. And sometimes the Lord speaks to us. Not in a profound way like he did the Apostle Paul, but he speaks to us in a still, small voice. And sometimes the Lord speaks to us in between all those ways. But the blessing is that God speaks to us, each one, individually. Now, for some of us, it may take 
a Damascus experience. And for others, it may be that still small voice. But Paul says right here, he said, I'm going to tell you about an experience that I had. And he said, the the natural part of me would like to glory in it. Paul, what a great fellow you are. You must have a close walk with the Lord. You must be in line with the Lord to be chosen to have an experience like this. And Paul says, I would, I would glory in it if it were of myself. But he said, even God has kept me from doing that. And look what he says right here. He says, whether in the body, I can't tell. Whether out of the body, I can't tell. And then he says, and I think this is, this is neat how he sums it up right here. Paul says, I don't know if I was in the body. I don't know if I was out of the body. I don't know if I was in the spirit. I, I don't know exactly the setting or exactly how it happened. But he says, God knoweth. And that just pretty well puts it to rest. I, I grew up in the South, and a lot of the uh, old timers, they like to debate different points of the Scripture. In fact, uh, they would toss a scripture out there and one would take one side and one would take another. A lot of those folks are, have gone on to be with the Lord at this time. But they would debate a certain points of the scripture. Well, I think that probably one of the reasons that Paul put this in here, he was inspired by God. But so that folks don't debate this and some say, well, Paul wasn't the body in heaven. Or he was in the spirit in heaven. And others say he was not in the body in heaven. And this is why Paul says, I don't even know myself. But he says, God knoweth. And there's some things that, that we don't have to know. We don't have to know everything that there is about the mysteries of God. We don't have to understand all there is about God. God doesn't show us everything. If he had shown you everything, you probably wouldn't be here this morning. If you already knew it all, if you'd already experienced it all, if you didn't need God, you probably wouldn't be here this morning. The reason you're here is, first of all, you want to honor and serve the Lord. But you also have a desire to grow in the knowledge and truth of Jesus Christ. You want to know just a little bit more today than you did yesterday. Line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. So... Paul says, I don't even know. But he said, God knows. There's some things that God knows that I'm just real satisfied to leave in the mind of Almighty God. There's a lot of things that I can't figure out. There's a lot of things that I don't understand. But God knows. And I'm happy just leaving it in Paul's hand, and in God's hands. Paul says, I don't know if I was in the body. I don't know if I was out of the body. But he said, God knows. And then here's what he said. He said, such a one, that was himself, that was his own experience. Such a one was caught up into the third heaven. That's where Christ is. That's where the souls of the elect are dwelling right now. That's where we're going to be redeemed and uh, live in eternity forever and ever. That's the place where Satan does not have any influence or Satan does not dwell. That's the place that we're not going to have to deal with temptation, discouragement, despair, heartache, sorrow, pain. That's the place that we're all longing to go into the eternal glory. 
And Paul said, I was caught up. I don't understand exactly how it happened. But I was caught up into that heaven. That's the place, Sister Marcia, where your mom and dad are right now. Paul was able to look into glory and get a glimpse of heaven. And God did show him some things. He probably showed him some of the folks that are there. He probably showed him that it was a glorious place. I'm, I'm filling in some gaps right here. But Paul said that it's such a glorious experience that he said, I don't even have the words to tell you what it's like. It's so good. It's so great that I can't even express to you what it's like. He says, again, he said, I was, he said, I knew such a man. He's talking about himself. He said, I knew such a man. And he says it again. He says it twice here. So apparently, if he says something once there, it's important to emphasize it. If he says something twice, then then he's placing an emphasis on it that that we ought to at least say, you know, there's something in this. Paul says, again, he says, I knew a man himself, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. He said, God knows. He says, "I I don't even know all the circumstances around it. But I know that God did show me something. And he says, and and here's what he says. How that this man, I, Paul, how that this man was caught up into paradise. And he said, and I heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for man to utter. Paul says, I heard words that are not lawful for man to utter. I don't believe that Paul's talking about right here words of judgment, words of sentence. I believe Paul is talking about that what he was blessed to see in glory are some of what we're taught in the book of Revelation, that there's singing of hymns and praising God and crying, holy, holy, holy unto the Lord. Now, last week we mentioned several times throughout the course of the meeting that there were times that uh, we'd been able to attend the Cincinnati meeting through the years. It was great to have Elder Bradley here. And I remember, I I think I mentioned this, that one of the times that I went in the early 80s to, uh, I took my grandparents to the Cincinnati meeting, that I remember when we pulled up, I believe it was estimated that there were 800 people that were there in attendance. Now, our singing's good. Our singing's great. It's especially great when the Lord blesses our singing. I love our hymn singing. But I'm telling you what, you get 800 people together that are singing with zeal and gusto and the spirit and the Lord blessing it. And I tell you what, it's just the most beautiful sound that you've ever heard. You think 800 people singing is a beautiful sound, and it is. Can you imagine what it must be like in heaven? And by the way, when we get to heaven, do you know what? We're going to all be on the right key. Sometimes I I start off too high, I start off too low. 
Or sometimes I even get on the wrong verse. I mean, sometimes the wrong page. Did you know that in heaven, we're all going to be on the same page? We're all going to sing just right to the glory of God. And Paul said, Paul said, I got to hear a little bit of that, uh, that singing. And he said, there's not words to tell about it. He said, I was caught up and I got to see a little bit of paradise. And he said, I don't have words to tell you about that. He said, there are not words that I can think of that any man can utter that describe the glory of heaven. Uh, yesterday, I, I got a phone call, and um, my cousin called. Uh, his name is the same as my name, and, and we were visiting, and he said, uh, he said, uh, Mom's been diagnosed with an advanced form of cancer, and she only has a few days to live. He said, she'd like to talk to you on the phone. And so we talked and had prayer. As soon as I hung up, I was so thankful I have Southwest app on my phone. I was able to book a flight, and uh, either late tonight or in the morning, I'll be in Austin and, Lord willing, be with my aunt. But I thought... I'll, I'll be there for a few hours and get to see her. Maybe have prayer, maybe sing a hymn. But I thought, what a blessing that the next time that we get to see each other, it's going to be in heaven. How could we want folks to come back? When we get a little glimpse of what it must be like. Paul said, it's so good. I don't even have the words to tell you about it. It kind of, maybe this is sinful, but it kind of makes me a little bit jealous. I've been blessed, Sister Kathy, with your dad and others here. I've been blessed to be with folks when they went home to be with the Lord. And I knew that right then their spirit was going on home to glory. And there's a little bit about me that was just a little bit jealous that right now they're getting to experience it in the fullness. And I have to hang around here a little bit longer. And you have to tolerate me just a little bit longer. But I do look for that day that we'll get to experience it in its fullness. Paul said, I don't have the words to tell you about it. I don't have the words to describe it. Paul said, it, it'd be real easy for me to glory in it. In fact, Paul could, could have said, I'm going to write a book and it's going to be a bestseller because I've been to heaven and back. I was given a book 
about a little boy that had, uh, and, and I don't question the experiences of individuals. I do believe God deals with individuals differently. And I do believe that God blesses folks to have uh, some deathbed experiences or um, uh, uh, folks that have had surgery and, and, and witnessed uh, certain things and bright lights and certain experiences. And I would never challenge that. And I'm, I'm blessed by reading their experience. But Paul could have said, I'm going to write a book and it's going to be a bestseller because of this experience that I had. But Paul said, in order to keep me from glorying in it and getting the glory myself. You see, God does things in such a way that the one thing that we we try to remind ourselves and remember is that God does things in such a way that always, 100% of the time, he gets the glory. We're just the beneficiaries of it. We get to see it. We get to witness it. We get to rejoice in it, but he gets the glory. Now look at what he says. Paul says, of such a one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. Notice, Paul does not say I'm glorying in my sin. There's no place for us to glory in sin. But Paul says that I can actually glory in the infirmities of life. Does anybody here have any infirmities? I am so glad that nobody does. Well, I've got enough for several of you. It's not just talking about physical infirmities. It's talking about the challenges of life. It's talking about the hard road. It's talking about the difficult time. Look what he says right here. Paul says, I I don't glory in myself, but he says, I glory in my infirmities. Now, that's strange. Who wants to to pick their infirmities and say, well, I'm going to glory in my infirmities? Paul, Paul said that right here, but we'll see what he says. He says, for though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool. I will say the truth, but now I forbear, lest any man should think of me that which he seeth me to be or that which heareth of me. Paul said, if you hear of my experience, I don't want you to glory that I was favored and chosen by God to experience this. I give the Lord the credit. And lest I should be exalted, Paul says, and here's the, here is the lesson that Paul brings out right here. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations, there was given... To me, a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Now, I won't ask for a show of hands here. I'll raise my hand. But I expect there's others here that experience from time to time, at least occasionally, if not all the time, a thorn in the flesh. Now, that doesn't, don't be thinking of somebody else and putting somebody's name on that, that they're that they're a thorn to you. It, it could be that, but that's, it's interesting right here that Paul says that, that he, had a, he had a thorn in the flesh. And he said it was a messenger of Satan. Now, I think it's interesting right here. You may be wondering, well, 
I wonder what Paul's thorn in the flesh was. I've heard a whole variety of folks that had ideas about what Paul's thorn in the flesh was. Some said that, uh, I've heard some say that he had poor vision and that it may have been a physical affliction, that he had poor vision and that that may have been something that he struggled with throughout his life. It, it could have been the persecution that Paul experienced. Uh, my, my former pastor said that when Paul went on a preaching trip, usually the place that he went first was to the jail, to visit the jail, because he knew he probably would end up there after he preached the gospel. So that may have been his thorn in the flesh, that generally folks didn't come around and extend him the right hand of fellowship for preaching the gospel. He ended up in prison. That might have been his thorn in the flesh. He, Paul talked about some that had walked closely with him in his service of the Lord and that they'd worshiped together, they'd labored together, and then they got drawn away from the enticements of the world. And that was a great discouragement to the Apostle Paul. And that could have been one of the thorns in the flesh. There were some that, that had been faithful in the truth of the gospel and then they were drawn away. And that could have been the thorn in the flesh. Or it could have been none of the above. But it's interesting that God doesn't tell us what Paul's thorn in the flesh is. Because if God had told us what Paul's thorn in the flesh is, then we could say, well, that's not something I struggle with. That's not something I have a problem with. Something that you have a problem with, I might not have a problem with. Something that I have a problem with, you might not have a problem with. But so that we can all relate, we can all put ourselves in Paul's shoes. Paul just simply says, I had a thorn in the flesh, and I'm not going to tell you what it was. He said, I have a thorn in the flesh. And he actually said, I really don't like it. In fact, he said, I've talked to the Lord about it. I've asked the Lord to take away this thorn in my flesh. I think that my life would be a whole lot better. My life would be a whole lot easier. My road would be so much smoother if I didn't have this thorn in the flesh. And he went to the Lord and it says that Paul went to the Lord and he cried unto the Lord three times that God would remove the thorn in the flesh. You ever gone to the Lord? Maybe you say, I've gone 30 times, or I've gone 300 times, and I've asked God to remove this struggle in my life. I've asked God to remove this infirmity. I've asked God to remove this difficulty that I have, and to this day, God's not delivered me from it. Now, Satan might convince you to think that God doesn't care, God doesn't know, that God's not going to help you. But Paul comes to a different conclusion than that. The psalmist tells us that I believe it's Psalm maybe 34. It says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. There is deliverance coming. It may be in this life. Or it may be when God takes us home. But not any of these thorns, these snares, 
these difficulties that we experience are we going to take with us up to the third heaven? When Paul looked into the third heaven, there weren't any of those thorns there. So if there's any of you that ever experience a thorn in the flesh, an infirmity, a difficulty, somebody that something that you struggle with in your life as a Christian, one of two things will happen. I love the promises of God. I lean on the promises of God. I live by the promises of God. I delight to encourage God's people with his promises. Here's a promise for you. It was good for Paul. It's good for me. And it's good for you as well. Paul said, I wanted that thorn to be removed. I wanted that struggle to be removed. But Paul says, I, there's something that, that, that I've learned through this. He said, unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations, referring to the vision that he had, the experience he had of witnessing what he saw in paradise in the third heaven. He said, unless I should be, meaning it's very likely I would have been exalted in pride, in self. I would have gloried in myself, not in the Lord. He said, there was given to me this messenger of Satan, this thorn in the flesh. Now, I don't subscribe, nor has Mount Carmel since it started 85 plus years ago, that God orders and ordains every experience. But I do believe that the scriptures teach that God allows it. God can either cause or God can allow. When Satan is turned loose, when Satan's turned loose, there's nothing good that's going to come out of Satan being turned loose. Satan delights to destroy you and I. And I'm very thankful that God puts a hedge round about us. Now, God may remove a little bit of that hedge and allow Satan to touch our life just like he did Job. And in this case, the effect was that Paul, it kept Paul from being exalted in self. Look at what it says. He says, so that I wasn't exalted in self above measure. I had this struggle. I prayed that God would deliver me from it. But he said, you know what? God didn't deliver me. God didn't deliver me the way I thought that he would deliver me. And just because God doesn't deliver us the way that we think he should, how many times do we go to the Lord and we, we, we really don't ask the Lord to direct us and guide us? We sort of figure out our plans and then present them to the Lord and we want the Lord to put his stamp of approval upon it. That we, we think we know what's best in a situation. We think that we know the, how the best outcome ought to be. And so we present it to the Lord and say, now, Lord, would you put, I prayed, would you put your seal of approval upon it? Would you, would you notarize this? Would, would you make it valid? Would you certify and make it happen? But God doesn't always work that way. Here's what Paul experienced. He says, I prayed 
thrice, three times, that the Lord might depart it from me. And he said, the Lord said unto me, and here's the promise that's good for us throughout all of our life, no matter what the experience is, no matter what the trial is, no matter what the difficulty is, Paul said, God didn't deliver me from that experience. But in the midst of that experience, the promise came to me, and it helps me to be able to live in this experience. He says in verse 9, and it's a promise that you can hold on to yourself. The Apostle Paul says that God, and this is in red print in my Bible, and I expect it is in yours. This is Christ's words to Paul. He says, Paul, he said, I'm not delivering you from this challenge. But Paul, in the midst of this challenge, and in all of the challenges that you experience in life, you can take this principle, you can take this promise, and you can apply it in every case in your life. Paul says that Christ told him, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness, not my weakness, not the weakness of Christ. But Paul, in the midst of your weakness, you may think that you're weak. You may think that you're unable. But in those times when you're experiencing your weakness, when you see your inabilities, when you see your own shortcomings, when you see that over and over you've missed the mark again, he says, in the midst of all of that, he says, I want to I give you something that's going to help you down the road of life. And that is that my grace is sufficient for you. Now, did you know that that's, that's you and you and you and you and you and that's every one of us? That his grace is sufficient for our need. Now, in case Satan stirs something up in your mind to think that, well, I have a need and it's bigger than God's grace. No, there's not any need that you have that's bigger than the grace of Almighty God. Look at what he says. He said, he said, my strength, you know, when, when we're young, we have this, this, uh, unrealistic idea of of really how strong we are. But I tell you, when you get a little bit older, you begin to realize that even your natural strength is not what it used to be. And in compared to the challenges that go around us, we don't have the strength to stand in it. Uh, Recently, I... I, uh, 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 my new mode of transportation is an Uber. I love Uber. I have the Uber app on my phone, and when I need a ride, I can just push a little button, and they come to where I am, and they'll take me to where I want to go, and I don't even have to pay for it. Now, I think it comes out on the credit card at some point, but, um, but it's just wonderful. And I do still drive in the daytime. No, I still drive, but, but I sure do like Uber. But And I have a variety of conversations with folks when I'm riding Uber. But this particular time that I rode Uber, the person that gave me a ride had a, uh, a motivational, I started to say tape. It wasn't a cassette tape, uh, probably CD that they, were, that they were playing. 
And, and they were just going over and over about, and, and she had it up because I knew that she wanted me to hear it as well, about how that you just need to build up self. And, and, and I, I just thought, I am so thankful that we have something better than that. I've tried to build up self. You got to first have something to work with. And it, 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 it just didn't work too well. But if I can lean on the Lord, then when I'm weak, I actually am strong in him. How many know where the Dickie Hobby walks? He's a little bitty fella. From his appearance, he wouldn't look like he's very strong. But I tell you what, he gets in the pulpit and starts preaching. And I believe that he'd take a, a tiger on him. I believe he would. But he's not doing it in his own strength. He's doing it in the strength of the Lord. Paul says, I've realized that when I'm weak, that actually, that's when I'm actually the strongest. Not because I'm so strong, but I'm strong because I have the strength of Christ inside. It's amazing that we can go through the valley, we can go through the challenge, we can go through the difficulty, and yet be strong Because we realize that we're not leaning on ourselves or our own understanding. We're leaning on the Lord. Look what he says. Paul says to the point. Paul says, I've learned this to such an extent that rather than pray that my infirmity will be taken away, he says, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. And then this is the principle, he, the point he says right here, because I've concluded that when I'm weak, I'm actually strong. Now, I, I, I'm, still, I'm still working on that. I haven't arrived yet. I'm not at the place that that Paul's at right here where he says, I take pleasure in infirmities. When I get sick, I go to the doctor and I try to get the best help I can and I try to make things better. I'd like to be like my aunt that when they told her that, that, uh, that, that she just has a few days to live, she said, praise God, I'm soon to be at home with my Lord. I want to be that way. I want to glory in infirmities. I want to glory in the challenges and the difficulties of life. I want to glory in the distresses. But I can tell you that I'm not always there. Are you? It may be that sometimes we lean on our own understanding, on our own strength. But when we realize that we don't have any strength to stand on, and our strength is in the Lord, did you realize we're really even far better off than if we had our own strength. Paul gives us a principle right here. I wish that all young folks would, would, would grab a hold of this. It doesn't matter what trials you experience in school, what trials you experience with peer pressure, what difficulties that you have. There's not any trial or difficulty or peer pressure or experience that's bigger than God's grace. God says, my grace is sufficient for you.
you start facing challenges with raising kids, I can't imagine some of the challenges that you must experience or the, the discouragements or, or hardships that you must experience along the way. But God says that my grace is sufficient for you parents. You get to old age or we get to old age and we start looking at the challenges of life and the afflictions of old age when things begin to go wrong with your body faster than you can fix them. And you think, how can I handle that? How can I face that? And God says, for you, individual, my grace is sufficient for you. Claim that promise. We're saved by God's grace. And we rejoice in that, and we rejoice to hear that. That's one of the threads that has traveled through this church for 85 years, is that we're saved solely and completely by God's grace. But it's not only in our eternal salvation. God gives us grace to live by each and every day. And there's not any trial or difficulty or challenge that's too big for you as long as you lean on the grace of God. He may deliver you from, his, from your trials. He does deliver. He's in the delivering business. But he's also in the business of giving us grace. There may be a reason that God has allowed us to experience the trial that we experience in our life. It may be that we'd be exalted in pride. He knows us better than we do, than we know ourselves. It may be that if, 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 if we didn't have the challenge or difficulty that we experience in life, we wouldn't have an interest in the things of God. We'd be somewhere else besides in the house of God. God is sovereign in why he allows the challenges to come our way. My grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. God bless you. We're glad you've been able to listen to this podcast. We invite you to come and worship with us on a Sunday morning. Our services begin with hymn singing at 1030 a.m. Mount Carmel Primitive Baptist Church is located at 1707 Churchville Road in Bel Air, Maryland. If you've enjoyed this message, we invite you to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or in your favorite podcast application.